0: Jesus, well, we certainly know the Lord is with us here this afternoon, and it's just so lovely to be among God's people. Um, If I didn't know any better, if I had been here for the first time today, you know, if I had come as a guest, I would have been like, wow, they really believe the words of that last song. You guys were rocking it. Because I was standing up here, and I could just hear the whole. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this sounds like an all church recording going on right now." So it was really beautiful, and um, I believe the Lord spoke to us because the Lord believed your words too, our words too, in that song. Amen. You may be seated. Talk today about the story of two brothers and I can't help it when I say that sentence that some of you think I'm gonna start talking about how in an old Italian village somewhere a hundred years ago, two brothers started making pasta sauce, but it's not, it's not about pasta, but it just, you know, there's the five brothers out there. They're pretty good, I guess, for what you pay for, but anyway, uh, not about pasta here uh, today, But. This is a story about two brothers that I want to look at, and there's a lot of those in the Bible. Lots of brother stories, two brother stories. You know, you could think of kind of the children's stories that we hear in Sunday school and growing up from there. And, but this one uh, that I want to speak about today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Um, and I'll be reading just the, the whole parable. This is one of Jesus' parables. And so it's through verse 32. So it's a good chunk, but you know it's a parable. You got to read the got to read the whole thing when you read a parable. It's just it just goes hand in hand with um, us understanding what is going on in the story. And so I'm going to start right in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and it says to illustrate illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. So we have Jesus speaking a man had two sons and the younger son told his father, I want to share, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the same time, Uh, I'm sorry, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Even when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the the fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. This is the parable of the prodigal son, or the lost son, in some translations. And it's one of the most well-known and loved stories of the Bible. And it's, it's the last short story in the series of three that we find in Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost sheep, uh, the parable of the lost coin, and then lastly what we read, the parable of the lost son. These parables are a response. We read that Jesus was teaching this to his audience. They are a response by Jesus to the religious leaders that had gathered together amongst a crowd of people that day. And that uh, at the end of chapter 14, it tells us that. And they were, you know, the religious leaders were uh, complaining, as they often do in scripture, and accusing Jesus of receiving sinners and eating with them. How dare he? Okay, Jesus being a Jew, Jesus being a rabbi. And so he shouldn't have been mingling, according to them in their opinion, with uh, these sinners, and, you know, they wanted to share their humble opinion with Jesus. So Jesus often spoke in parables, you know, it says that in the scripture, he often spoke in parables to illustrate a spiritual or moral lesson through a, a telling a simple story. Sometimes they don't seem so simple. But, you know, there's lessons and little nuggets in there for us. And he had already told the two parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then he was speaking here about the lost son. And basically, these three parables that we find in Luke chapter 15 talk about God's love. For the lost, and how God will never stop seeking for the lost. When we were singing our song, especially well, all of them today, really, but that last one. And I thought, you know, we the, the the lyrics that say He never stops working, even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it. And I thought, God, you know, that was right. I'm like, oh Lord, that's right. In the sermon today, God will never give up on you. He will never. It's against his character and who he is. And so I loved singing that song. God will, he's just, he never gives up on us. And so here we land in the parable of the prodigal of the lost son. And he uses the story of a father with his two sons and his love for them both. We can see that as we read that he loved both of his sons. And to illustrate this love of God for sinners and the lost, because these religious uh, leaders that were pressing back against Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing mingling with these sinners? So this is his response to them, because the religious leaders loved to separate themselves from the sinners. That was their goal in life. I am this, you are not, therefore we are, you know, I separate myself from you. And Jesus was so, you know, contrary, he was so opposite of that. So, one of the purposes, you know, for, for us here today, um, with and in us as the church of today, it with stories like this in scripture is to ask ourselves, you know, when we read the story of the prodigal son, we can read ourselves into it. And so, we can we can read who we identify with in the story. We're kind of having fun with that in our small. I don't know if it's so fun sometimes, but you know, having fun in our small groups currently while we watch the chosen and work through some of the scriptures that the story is uh, based on, of course, and we're you know we're answering questions and kind of saying mm, I see myself in this character or that character, and the stories kind of read our mail. You know, I know it's kind of an old AOL thing, like if anybody remembers AOL here. But the stories read us. You know, we read the scripture, but the stories read us as well. And so one thing I'd like us to do as we're moving along the sermon is to kind of think about, you know, maybe pull it up on your phone, Luke chapter 15, or if you have your Bible open in front of you, and start thinking about who you are identifying with in this story. Because the story tells us several truths, of course, for Jesus' purpose of telling it. So it. Tells us several truths about God, the character of God, who God is, and his relationship to those who are his children. And like the father's relationship with his sons. And the scripture, the this, this story also reveals truths about ourselves, if we allow the scriptures to kind of read us. And so no matter which son you may identify with in the story, maybe it was a time in your life, or maybe it's now, currently, but no matter which son you identify with in the story, and again, our songs, and uh, Sister Debbie and her just a a thought this, this morning, talking about this heart transformation. Both of these sons needed a heart transformation. And we say that, you know, Christians kind of speak that way sometimes because that's what—that's the work God does in our lives. That's what Sister W spoke about, you know, this morning. That's what she says we're gonna—we're gonna, we're gonna uh, see when we watch the chosen, you know, tonight together. And uh, so these are stories about a heart transformation in people who needed them. And then, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this parable myself. You know, I I can believe that some people might even actually identify with God in this story, the Father who represents God. And that might seem a little like, ooh, 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 you think. But you know what? Life experience and maturing in Christ, that's the work God does in us. And so maybe the sons aren't where you're at today. It's not the stories that are kind of reading your mail. But your experiences with God, your relationship with God over years and through the church and through love with people has you identifying more with how the father responded to each of the sons in their own ways. And so I think it's possible for some of us here, yes, to identify with the father who is representing the love of God for his sons, for his children. And I also thought about the fact that, you know, if— if the father's response is who you are identifying with today, pray about the prodigals, you know, that you know in your family. Pray for the prodigals that we might look around here today and see some some faces we've seen missing for a while. And rather than saying, well, that, that's just, they're just not, they're just not coming anymore. That's just, they're just, they don't care. You know, we want to pray for them. And so let's remember that. And um, they deserved the love of God, just as much as any of us who's sitting on these pews. And so for myself, you know I'm going to go there, right? So for myself, I happen to identify more with the oldest son. uh, Because I grew up, yes, I know. And then some of you who were in small groups with me, you know who I identified. Well, i identified with Matthew, a little bit of Nicodemus maybe. So you can see kind of, you know, the Lord has to do a work on us all. (laughs) There's a lot of work to be done on the oldest sons, okay? I know the story is a lot about the lost being found. But the oldest son needed that heart transformation too. And I grew up in an apostolic Pentecostal home. I grew up going, I had always attended church. There's never been a time in my life where I have not chosen to go to church, okay? That's just how I've grown up. That's how how I've lived my life. Uh, And so I've never, you know, done this prodigal thing of literally walking away from truth that I was taught. But I remember when I was going through my uh, master's program at Urshan Graduate School, you know, there were these classes that Brother um, James Littles and Dr. Cindy Miller, you guys, some of you know her, taught. And of course, they make you in, be introspective about yourself. They make you face yourself, you know. And um So I had, you know, worked, uh, was going to, you know, attending classes and with Dr. Cindy Miller and just had some realizations that, oh, my, I am a little bit more of a Pharisee than I would like to admit in my attitude a lot. And it was hard. That was hard, you know, to admit to myself back then. But, you know, you're glad for those moments that you have that opportunity to grow and respond to the work that God is doing. your heart. And so, you know, self-righteousness, you know, this is the oldest son. We'll get to talking about these characters that we're looking at, but, you know, this kind of self-righteous attitude. I was a goody two-shoes. Yes, I always got A's and B's, and I got one C, and I took the the, um, class again because I got a C, and guess what? I got a C again in it. So I guess, now this was not UGST. That was, that was another, that was an undergrad, but, you know, that was me. You know, I A little bit of a goody two-shoes. Come on, there's more of you here, I know. It's not always a bad thing to be, but when it starts edging into self-righteousness and things that I compare myself or compare others to myself more than I am comparing myself to the Word of God, you start getting into a slippery slope. And it's certainly not, you know, the the Christian attitude that the, the Scriptures speak of. And so that's why uh, the oldest son is a character that I more identify with in a time in my life. And so, as we look at this story, um, here we met a father with two sons whom he loves. And well one, in one day, uh, both of these sons were set to inherit the riches. Um, and the land and the you know all the the things that the father had acquired one day that they were, would uh, inherit all that he owns. And you know most of the time you get an inheritance when somebody passes away. But in this story, the prodigal son, the young the son who becomes the prodigal son, the youngest son, is the one who asked for the father. We read about it, asked for the father's inheritance before he dies. And we can assume that they were not a destitute family. There's no indication of that. You know, there's probably something, there was an inheritance to pass down land. We know there was a calf, you know, they had the fatted calf. We know that there was, you know, the the cl- nice clothing and the so we get the details that this was not a destitute family. And so the youngest son decides to ask for the inheritance and all we know is that the father gives it to him before his death. he we don't get the details of why or what, how that transaction really went but the youngest son got what he asked for before the father passed he gives him his part of the inheritance and what the son does is takes it and he says, good, I'm gonna go live my own life. I'm out of here goodbye and he goes and he just you know lives a reckless life. he goes and he squanders it. Uh, the scriptures say in the ways that he sees fit. And until the earth, I, I kind of thought this was funny. You know, there are indicators that God, you know, places in our lives when things are going downhill and getting pretty bad to get our attention. And so I thought even the earth was sending the message to the prodigal son because there was a famine. And so the son wastes all his money. Then there's a famine uh, in the land. And the scriptures tell us this prodigal son becomes starved. And his stomach, his body is telling him, this is not, you can't continue going this way. And so all of these, you know, uh, red flags we say, or the bright lights saying, you know, get out of this situation, run from this, you know, these are all flashing before him. And he needed these things to happen in order for him to get the wake up call and to make the decision um, and to realize that what he had left the blessings, the security of, and protection of his father's household um, was actually what he needed. And so, one lesson from this prodigal son is how, you know, when left unchecked, our selfishness, Yo, know, this is a great example of selfishness, and no, none of us are exempt from that, are we? We're all selfish beings, but left unchecked, our selfishness will draw us away from the blessings of the Lord, from a blessed life. And there's that saying that um, that goes like this: that says that um, all things that glitter aren't gold, and you know, basically the message being, you know, not to be deceived, that the things that the world tempts us with, sometimes even to sin, that these temptations, that they're worth leaving the blessings of God for. And it sounds so simple, and I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's just as oh, just realize that, you know, what you think is so great, isn't that great? And don't leave the blessings of God. Simple as that. Well, it's not as simple as that. You know, and I understand that, but that's a lesson that it is part of this story in the Prodigal Son, and it's a nugget that little nugget that this uh, story has for us to gain from it. And um, most of you know that I I teach my kids at home. I homeschool, and we were reading a, a we read a short devotional in the morning every day. That's kind of how we get started and they're it's really they're really cute little short um they're four primary ages so they're designed for kids and you know little simple thoughts and then you get to usually draw what you just heard about or somehow express it and on wednesdays in our house we our focus is on science we call it wacky science wednesday and we do some you know something science we learn about the world around us and what god made and all these things and all the cool things that we can do because God made the world and it's a neat thing to experience. And so on Wednesdays we we have a devotional that um, we veer from our regular one and we do one about animals. And then you learn a fact about an animal and then you get to learn uh, a little spiritual application. And so recently, there was a, de- a de- the wacky Science Wednesday devotional was called Deadly Beauty. And it was about this tiger fish. Um, I think it has, has a couple other names, but tiger fish is one of it. You know, deep ocean water type of fish that's uh, beautiful and it's striped, and it kind of has you know these um, these spines that kind of go up like this. And when it moves in the water, it's slow like this, and the the it's kind of mesmerizing because it has this this striped pattern on it. And so it moves, and in the, in the little lesson said, oh, it's like an angelic fish. It moves It moves like angel's wings in the water. Well, that's how it attracts its uh, prey, is it so be- its beauty attracts its prey, and then it takes its little spine that's full of venom and gets it. And so that was, it was called deadly beauty. So, you know, just to the point of, Um, Things that look beautiful to us, you know, we're in our humanity, in our flesh, as the scriptures say. Things that are not, you know, they're destructive, they're not for our good, they're not the blessings of the Lord, can lure us away from the protection and the blessings uh, uh, that we have when we are living um, in our Father's house, so to speak, when we're living a life for the Lord. Now, I know that no one here, you know, none of us, wishes for anyone to have an experience like the prodigal son had to have in order to turn back to God. Things got so dire. They got so drastic. He was starving. There was literally nowhere else to turn. And, you know, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before looking up. Anybody ever had that experience in life? You have to hit rock bottom before we're awakened to what really is going on, what really is going on in our lives and what the real picture is. Not this glitter, the glitter's vanished now, the glitter's gone, and now you're left with the true picture and the reality of the situations. Um, So hitting rock bottom, it's kind of fortunate, but it's unfortunate. Nobody really wants that for anybody. Um, But it does force us. This brings us to that fork in the road. It forces us to make a decision about our lives and what is going on with them and what we're going to do from that point forward. The prodigal son found himself in that situation. And so what I like so much about the hope in this story of the prodigal is that he knew he could return To his father's house. The relationship there, the love of that father that never wavered. Again, we sang about that in several of our songs this morning. He knew where to go because of the relationship with his father. And if somebody doesn't know it here or listening online, God loves you in the same way the father loved the lost son. And and I I just I just wish we could believe that, you know, in the prodigal son story, we read it as a famine. You know, we read the events just going one, two, three, four, but I wonder if there was some time there. That the, the prodigals, I mean, we know there was some, he was saying, well, I can't return as a son. I might be able to return as a servant. There, there was some turmoil happening there, at least in my opinion, of how he could rightly return to his father. But at least he knew he could. And he was doing the best he knew to figure out, how could I be well received? How can I go home? And so I found it interesting that he makes a plan on how to be received. Did he really need a plan? Did he really have to plan how to get his father to accept him back home? He did not. In fact, the father, the scripture says, was what? watching. The father was anticipating his return. He had not given up on him. He was watching and looking for him. And that is our, again, this is the, this is a parable we're supposed to understand. Jesus wants us to understand that this is him and his relationship with his children. And so God, again, as I've already mentioned, God never gives up on us. And we don't have to make a plan on how to be received back to God. The turning point and the challenge of this part of the story of the prodigal son is the decision to make the return. It's not how to make it. It's not exactly when to make it. It's not how to dance your way into it and convince God you're worth having back as a son or daughter. No, the challenge is on us. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, the challenge is on us. We have to do that. I don't think that was easy for the prodigal son. He was happy to leave his dad. His dad wasn't dying soon enough. So he's like, well, I want to now. And so I got to go. So he was happy to leave his father's house. And so I don't think that that was a very easy decision for him to make. But sometimes those rock-bottom experiences are a blessing. We can see the silver lining there. They're a blessing in disguise because it made him wake up to the fact that he needed to go home, to back to the protection of his father, back to the love of his father and the security there. Amen. I want someone to turn to their neighbor and say, Jesus loves me. And then I want you to look at the same person and say, Jesus loves you. I know we're going down a cheesy route right now, but we need to hear that. And if you don't believe it, someone just told it to you. And so you can work on believing that this week. I'm serious. Work on believing that this week. Um, I have a scripture for the prodigals in Hearing distance through this microphone. I have a scripture, and I'm going to have one for the oldest, those of us who are the oldest son as well. But for the prodigals, this is your scripture Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient? Who's thankful that God is patient? Me, me. It says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant? Tolerant and patient, God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You know, Paul kind of said it in lots of his letters. You know, Paul says a lot in a lot of his letters. And he said, God's grace, God's kindness, God's love, and His mercy, it's not given to us for license to sin. It's given to us to compel us to towards him because who can compare to the love of Christ, honestly? And so that's your scripture for, for the prodigals out there. Remember that. God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. The challenge is making the return and making that decision to do that. And I pray that God can help us to make that decision, because I know that's not easy and doesn't come easily. And moving on to the oldest son, I've read that the story's climax, you know, we think it's kind of about the focus, really focused on the prodigal, and it is definitely the lost son and his father and how he was received with a celebration and rejoicing and not a word about what he had done yet, but he was received with such joy but i've read that the story's climax is really about the oldest son and his interaction with his father when jesus told this parable the audience was a mixed company of people who had come to hear him from sinners and and like the tax collectors to the pharisees and the religious leaders that were there that were accusing jesus of mingling with the unclean because that was against jewish law And so the attitude of the oldest son was was targeted to the Pharisees among uh, them, the Pharisees that were listening that day, because the Pharisees always had their eyes of comparison. I know, I feel like that's what I had to work through in my own life. The the Pharisees always had their own their eyes of comparison on others, and in this parable, the father's correction to his son was the son's complaint, why are you throwing a party for the one who's squandered, who's, who's been away? I've labored for you all these years faithfully. I didn't leave, and I've never gotten a even a goat. I guess a goat wasn't a fatted calf. I don't care. I wouldn't want a goat anyway, but, you know, he's complaining. He's shocked. He's, you know, he's being, yeah, he's hurt in a self-righteous way. He's hurt, but he is his pain is real too. And the father's correction, of course, we read done in kindness because that's how God does it. Although there's truth, speak the truth in love, amen, was that, hey, you've always stayed by me. And he recognized that. And you've lived in the blessings that resulted from your faithfulness to me all the days of your life. That was how the father dealt with the son older son complaints and self-righteous attitude you see because god's blessings for his children i'm talking about us today now god's blessing for his children they're here they're for the here and now and for the for life on this earth as we live this out his blessings are for us now and salvation is indeed about eternity and where we will spend it There's no question about that. But it's also a process that begins in the moment that each of us put our faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for our sins. Amen. Now that might be today for someone, placing your faith in God. Uh, And it continues all the way through our obedience to the message of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I already mentioned this uh, morning by um, Sister Debbie, but where repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and the receiving of the infilling of the Holy Spirit as the disciples experienced with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and then the commitment to holy Christian living in this life. That's the whole process of salvation, It includes it all. And then, of course, where we spend it in eternity. And so that gap where we place our faith in the God of these scriptures, who is Jesus Christ, and when he calls each of us home or comes back for his church, that's where we have the choice to either live in the daily blessings of God or to live outside of them. And the older son chose to live in the daily blessings of his father's household under his protection, his security, his safety, his provisions. So where he went wrong was in measuring his everyday blessings that he had built up over all his whole lifetime. He measured it up to one single party. That just seems so silly. It's just, it's apples and oranges. And so the daily blessings in in life from living for God is God's gift to us in our everyday. You know, I just thought, ask anybody who's lived outside of it. I can't say, I'm being honest, I can't say I haven't done life perfectly, but I've never, in this sense, walked away from God, walked away from truth, walked away from faith, you know, walked away from the church, I've never done that. But ask someone who's lived without the daily blessings of God. And think about that courage, like I've said already, of what it must have taken to return back. And so um, the challenge for the oldest son, those of us who are the oldest son, our challenge is to not take for granted these blessings of God's faithfulness in our everyday life. Amen. We get used to it. We start thinking we deserve it. We start thinking, we start to just expect it. And so when something looks like it's better than what we think we deserve, oh, then we get in a hissy fit. And it's just silly because it's apples and oranges. You can't compare. And it can be detrimental to our walk with God. You know, I'm so glad I was had, you know, the the people in my life at the time that I did to help me wake up and realize I'm going down a slippery slope and if I'm not careful, I may look like a Christian, but I'm not gonna have the heart of one. And so I'm thankful God did that work in my life. And he's continuing to because I'm a recovering older son. So be patient with me, be patient. So just, hi Newark, my name is Meg. So, for us oldest sons, I have a scripture for you too. And it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Again, I thank God. God is patient with the oldest sons. Okay, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And so that's the truth and the belief, you know, us oldest sons, there can't be a separation of who deserves that and who doesn't. No, God died for all and all. He does not want any to be destroyed, and we shouldn't either. Amen. God's a just God, and our measure of being just won't ever align with God's. But that's what we default to. We default to measuring ourselves against one another. And the scriptures say our righteousness is as filthy rags. And when we use it to measure others, it creates a mess that God usually receives the blame for. Unfortunately, he can handle it, but it's not, it, it's not right. You know, it's not God's work, it's ours that, uh, that we're doing. And our works don't justify us. You know, they don't save us. They're not um, the measuring stick for our neighbor, okay? And so when I read the, the story of the prodigal son, if you ask me, I think the, pro- the oldest son was just as wayward, was just as lost as the prodigal was. We all have our different ways that we can technically leave the Lord, leave his word and its teachings and the life that we are trying to commit to and striving for, you know, his ungodly attitude, those, that gets us in trouble, okay, no matter if you're sitting on a pew or not. So our outlook becomes jaded as a result, you know, to the point where we might begin to trade these truths for lies. Oh, that he doesn't deserve what i work my I've been faithful all these years he doesn't deserve that you know we start believing that and it's just not of God amen and so in that same way you know God's not God God doesn't forget his promises to us he doesn't forget his promises to us and our faithfulness to God and to his word is part of of the everyday blessing in our lives. His protection, God's provision, that's part of our everyday blessing. His peace, amen, his security, that's part of our everyday blessing when we live for the Lord. And the, prod- the uh, oldest son, I'm sorry, he had never lived a day without it. And so um, he took that for granted and didn't realize, you know, this complaint that he had had. So these two stories, I'm I'm coming in for a landing here in my conclusion. But um, my conclusion is um, one, two, three, it's three pages long. So stay seated. Anyway, it's it's 16 font, so I can see. So three pages is really probably, anyway. But no, it's single space. Yeah, we're coming in for a landing, though, I promise. But it was, I was like, conclusion? I'm like, this goes on forever. How are they going to feel? But this story presents us with two decisions, or I like to say responses, that we can have to the love of God, okay? Because this story really, this parable, the three parables actually, we focused on the one, but the parables in Luke 15 really are about the love of God. And can I have my title slide? Oh, that's there. My title slide says, um, Return or Release? These are two, the two responses I read when I read this story. Return, the prodigal, of course, the lost son returning to God. And the oldest son, the, uh, in response to his father's kindness but correction, needed to release some of those self-righteous attitudes and ungodly things to God. They're all going to God. Everyone's direction is God. That's it. One way. Um, And so in some form or fashion, we all have something that we can either return to God or release to God. Because God will never give up on us. He'll never give up on the fact that it's okay if you need to return back to him. It's okay if there's something you found in your heart that you need to release to God. Do it. God will never give up on us. But we can certainly give up on the things of God. Just read about that in the story, you know. And so I love this insight that I, that I found from an article about, um, you know, when we read scripture and we read the Bible, the Bible happened in a specific time, specific places, with real people, of course. And so it's interesting to kind of read about the time and place and kind of that context when we go to scripture, because we're so many, 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 many years removed from that culture. It's a different part of the world. It's different. Everything's so different. And so um, this insight from this article that I had found was, um, it said that the Jewish listeners that day in the crowd that heard Jesus speaking of this story, they would have understood you know, they wouldn't have questioned. It, it said they really wouldn't have had a hard time thinking about how the, the father's um, response to both the sons. It was love. It was, you know, a, a, um, a father who never gives up on his son. Because if we look in the Old Testament, pick any, just open it up, go like this. Start reading about Israel. Their relationship with God was one of constant rejection, moving away from the things of the Lord, you know, and having to return and make that decision to return back to the loving God, patient God, but God who is holy, okay? I'm talking about a loving God, but I'm also talking about the sovereignty and holiness of God. God doesn't change his ways so that we come back, we change our ways so that we can return. Amen. Amen. And so I just love kind of reading that little insight. Jewish listeners would have been like, mm, "Yeah, mm, God, mm, God, yeah, makes sense. God was—that's God's relationship with Israel. You know, there may be some of their ancestors, but also then to the Gentiles that might have been hearing that day Jesus's words, they're starting to to be educated about a God that loves them. You know, Jesus—the Calvary hadn't happened yet. Jesus who was God, hadn't yet died on the cross for their sins. But they started hearing about the love of a father that's unconditional. And that started something in their hearts, hopefully. And so that might be where some of us are today. Some of us might be thinking, yeah, I, I know about this God that you're talking about. I got a relationship with them. It's been a little up and down. But I know about this God that you're talking about. That sounds familiar. That sounds like God. And then some of us today might be thinking, I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that. Uh, What do you mean about this unconditional love? What do you mean about a a father who's patiently waiting? And so that uh, we might find ourselves in different uh, responses today to the word of God. Perhaps some of us, you know, are, are like the youngest son, selfish. Finding ourselves in, we're all selfish, but Kind of in that extra selfishness that we we're not living for God, we're following our ways. We're being selfish and saying, I just I just want to take what I have and I want to go do what I want to do. And uh, selfishness, you know, as we we're reading in the story, that's that can be harmful to ourselves, it's harmful to others. You know, the father grieved all those years, waiting for the son to come back. God grieves when we reject him. He grieves when we uh, uh, settle for things that are less than his good and perfect gifts. And yet, his covenant with us, like it was with Israel, he won't break it. He won't break it. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about walking a walk of faith. I'm not talking about walking a walk of perfection. Talking about faith. Some days it's closer. Some days we're not as close to God. But keep walking with him. Amen. And uh, some of us might have literally walked away from God. You know, let's think about and pray for, you know, today as we come to pray in the altar area, the names and the friends and the family members we're thinking of that aren't hearing this today. But we have them on our heart, and we can pray for them and intercede for them. And some of us have gone wayward, you know, and and been reckless with our lives in other ways that um, that have been led by selfishness led by, you know, worldly desires and temptations that, you know, have caused your walk with God to go this way and that way in the wrong direction. You know, there's a song that says, Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. So maybe some of us aren't, we're not here, we're not literally walked away from God or the church, but there's some kingdoms in our heart that we have gone wayward. They've gone astray. And we can surrender those back to the Lord. He wants all of us. Amen? God wants our whole being, heart, mind, and soul. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And some of us, like the oldest brother, you know, here, releasing an attitude of, you know, that's ungodly, of self-righteousness, of judgment, you know, releasing that to God and and saying, Lord, I, I, I live in your daily blessings. You You have blessed me so much, Lord. I want this for others. I don't want to hoard it for myself. I want this for others. And we need to take that good, honest look inside of our hearts and be able to say, all right, Lord, I'm giving this back to you. I want to live in your daily blessings of peace and love and joy and humility that keeps us surrendered to God. Amen. And so, you know, it's hard not to go down cheesy routes with with a sermon that's based on the prodigal son. But, you know, it might sound a little cheesy, but, you know, I can't help but just remind us God's waiting. God's He's just waiting. That's what he does our whole lives. God's waiting for us to either return or to release. And so if we can take time to do that this afternoon, I'm going to go ahead and call for our altar call if we want our uh, musician to come and just take some time for us to reflect. Lord, is there anything I need to return? I need to turn around. I need to return back to you, Lord, in my heart. Is there anything, Lord, that... I need to release to you. Maybe it's the same thing, I don't know. Maybe these words are the, the you know the same meaning the same thing. But in my mind I'm thinking about the responses that we see from the prodigal son and from the oldest son and God's love the and the love of the father and how we can respond to that. God will always reach for us. He'll never give up on you never and i just think that's a pretty amazing thing to think about don't you i just think that's amazing you know when you read in the in the old testament scriptures of god and israel's relationship it's like why god just get a new group of people why why because that's who he is yeah i know i know i'm my pharisaical hearts just showing i know it's glowing bright but really, it's just like, wow, you know, and then we read stories like this carried through to the New Testament. Jesus teaching. This is the love of God. This is the God we serve. This is the God who's reaching for you. This is the God who'll never give up on you. This is the God you can return to. Amen. This is the God who will help work on your heart if you're willing. And so our altars are open. If you're comfortable praying in the front, you like to kind of have a change of position and come and pray, take time to do that. Take time to do it where you're sitting. That's okay. But Lord, we just wanna give to you. Yes, Lord, like the song says, we wanna surrender all to you. Lord, what is there that I'm hanging on to God? What's more comforting than your blessings? What's more worth it than the blessings of God that we read in scripture? I can't find anywhere in scripture where the blessings of God are worse than the things that I desire, than the things the world tempts us with away from God. They're temporary highs. They're temporary uh, gold, Lord. It's fool's gold. Yours is the true treasure. God, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence among us, God. This is the God who loves. This is the God who's waiting. Oh, in a moment's notice, Lord, we can choose to turn to you. Jesus, we worship you. Your name. It takes some courage to look at ourselves honestly. You know, the world says, just go be you. You do you. You decide the rules. You define what's good. You do it. I think that's a lot of pressure. And it's just destructive in the end. Lord, help us to see your good gifts, God. Oh, Jesus, forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, each of us can respond to what you have for us, Lord. You've promised life more abundantly, God. We read that today in your scripture. God, you deal with this kind with kindness, God. Oh help us, Lord, help us, Lord. You know, I was just thinking that this isn't just a Sunday response. It can be Monday. It can be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Anytime we can turn to God. Anytime we can, you know, talk to the Lord in prayer. We can practice this in our daily life. Because no day's perfect. No one's perfect. And so just continue to remember that God loves us so and keep ourselves, surrender to the blessings of the Lord. I don't think that that can ever be a bad decision. Amen. I thank uh, each and every one of you for spending time uh, with us this afternoon, for making time to be here. And I just pray blessings for you on your week, and wherever you go, whatever you do. And let's continue to remember those that we don't see here today remember our family and our friends they need our prayers amen have a wonderful week and i hope to see everybody back here tonight at six